And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. That is hammered. Oh, my. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far ought to have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? This is a simple game. You throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch the ball. You got it! You're listening to The Roundtable with Grant Brisby, Andy McCullough, and Mark Carrig on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode number 47 of The Roundtable I'm Grant Brisby here with Andy McCullough and Mark Craig. Uh, let's start with Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? I was just thinking about all the wonderful home run celebrations that have uh, <laughs> proliferated in baseball of late. I just can't imagine something more fun and interesting and organic. What about you, Grant? Uh, well, I'm just going to pass it to Andy. Andy, how are you doing? You know what's funny is the way Mark's intonation work there people are going to think that he is the one who hates the home run celebrations well i think we will find because because the way because he's just so aggro you know even when he's doing like when he's trying to set me up he sounds like he's the cranky old man when in fact it is i the only member of this podcast still in his 30s well here's the thing let me just explain how the sausage is made for the roundtable heads. We were planning on starting with how terrible the White Sox are or talking maybe about uh, the baseball game in Mexico City. But before we started recording, Mark and Andy started yelling at each other. They were just like already yelling at each other. And I'm in the middle going, save it for the pod, save it for the pod. So we just have to start because we got some we got some fire going here. Uh, Andy hates uh, home run celebrations. He is uh, the old man yelling at a cloud. He is, yeah, explain. So like the big hats, the funny medals, the vests, the hey, hey, hey. You don't like any of that stuff? I loved the big hat. The big hat gets me every time. <laughs> and I'm really, it's very frustrating that, Major League Baseball's sponsorship with New Era prevents us from having the big hat. New Era should make a big hat. I would buy a big hat. Finally, Karig would have a hat that fits his head. (laughs) (laughs) Think about all... Look at all the hats behind Karig. None of those fit. They're decorative. (laughs) He can't get those over his... You know, eight and a half noggin. But here's the Ugh. thing: New Era has made a big hat, and they've given. They have. Yeah, Bruce Bochy wears it. You just can't tell. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know what? First of all, Andy boy, George King wants his bit back. All right, that that's one. Number two, like that's to me, that's the copyright infringement that I'm kind of worried about. Why aren't the Texas Rangers just taking Bochy's hat off? and passing it around when they go back into the dugout after hitting a dinger. Anyway, go on, Andy. I'm sorry to interrupt. 
Grant, real quick for you. Would you rather have a million dollars or Kariggs' head full of nickels? George <laughs> King. Another I mean, George King. Can it actually be like uh, – well, I don't even know the question. A million dollars? Okay, well, that, I mean, I'm just saying that you could fit a lot of nickels in his head. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get, get it. Because <laughs> my head's big. I, get... <laughs> I mean, I have a huge head, too. Look at this. I, I look like I – mean, no one can see this if you're listening for the people watching. I look more and more like Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day <laughs> every day. Just every day I wake up and I'm like, bang! Oh, I didn't want to say it. That was like a bridge too far for me, but hot damn, you look like Ned! Ryerson! Needle nose Ned, Ned the head. Come on, buddy. Case Western High. Ned Ryerson, I did the whistling belly button trick at the high school talent show. Bing! Ned Ryerson got the shingles real bad. Senior year almost didn't graduate. Bing again! Ned Ryerson, I dated your sister Mary Pat a couple times till you told me not to anymore. Well? Ned Ryerson? Bing! Bing! Yeah, Ned the head? <laughs> All right, so tell me about yeah. the home run celebrations you actually hate. Look, man, I just, it's like, it's frustrating. I feel like I am crossing a Rubicon in aging. I didn't care about bat flips, like, let the kids play, all that stuff. Like, it's great. Like, I love it. I love, you know, fun, celebration, authentic stuff. When it gets into arts and crafts, I just start to get, I don't know, I get, I don't like myself. That I react this way. I really don't. Like, I'm mad at myself. I saw the Minnesota Twins who are playing really good baseball and, you know, should be this heartwarming story. And I see them put on a fishing jacket that says, you know, land of a thousand rakes. And my just head explodes. And I just feel so old. And I feel so tired. And I just, I don't know. It just really... It's not that I hate fun, Brian. Stop saying that. I love fun. It's just that I worry that what I feel is fun is so far removed from what the youth think is fun. I'm not on TikTok. Like, I don't know. Like, why? I don't know. Here's the thing. All right. First off, Land of a Thousand Rakes. Good pun, but it makes me think of Sideshow Bob, right? That's that's the problem with that one. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's just Sideshow yeah, yeah. Bob stepping on ranks. But second, let me set the story. Let me set a scene for you. Uh, young Grant Brisby in the bleachers of uh, Oracle Park, then known as Pac Bell Park in 2000. Giants had a miserable start to the year. They start winning and winning and winning throughout the summer, and they eventually finish with the best record in baseball. During that summer, when the Giants would win, a song would come on afterwards. It was a song, and the whole crowd would start going, yeah, and they'd get into the song. And that song was, who let the dogs out? Root, root, root. Like, it's terrible. Objectively terrible. This is kind of before every team started doing it. You know, the hipster uh, Baja Boy stuff. But uh, it was fun. It was not for you. It was for the idiots who are just, like, celebrating. And so if the Twins fans want to, you know, hey, they got the vest on, you know, that's for them. You know what? It, it strikes me as like there was the home run jacket last year, right? Which John Schneider apparently took away from the Blue Jays because he wanted them to celebrate more than home runs, which is like supremo hardo move, like manager of the year. I may start voting again just so I can put John Schneider at all three manager of the year spots in the American League. If they gave me a National League manager of the year, I would vote for John Schneider just because I love – baseball hard-ass stuff. That's what I think is fun. And that's why I feel like 
I'm so far removed now. But so just to just to be clear, now it's like everyone's got to have a thing, right? So like, you know, Shohei Otani, they've got the Kabuto with the Angels. The fourth place Mariners have a trident. You know, the Royals have a gladiator helmet. The Orioles appear to be uh, beer bonging water, which is uh, like good for them. It also seems <laughs> insane. Um, I, there's just it's just the ubiquity of it. It feels I don't know. It's got a players' weekend vibe to me. Ooh, that's, that's what damning. I think. That's damning. I know. I know. Do you rem- again? I'm the villain here. But do you remember the? And some teams still do this. But there was a time in the early tens, uh, 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 mid tens, where. Every team, when they had a player get to second base, they do a, you know, like a, you know, I'm the elephant or something like that. Or yeah, yeah you know, they, they all still and, do that. Uh, the the Rangers, they had the claw and antlers or something in 2010. Yeah, but then in 2011 they switched it up and they were the cobra. But again, it's the, they're empty calories, but not in a bad way. They're just a bag of Cool Ranch chips. Uh, they're not going to kill you. They're just going to taste good while they're going down that MSG. But it's not. I'm not offended by any of it. Andy just wants this to be those days where, and you wrote about this, where Doc Ellis is like, I'm going to plunk every guy that comes to the plate today. <laughs> it was one of my favorite stories you've ever so written, good. right? That was so great because everyone knows yeah, the other thing one. that Doc did. Yeah. But like, and yeah. then he went and did it. <laughs> he went. He went and he, smoked every dude that stepped in the box that day. What's funny about that is he bet Kurt Bavakwa in spring training, hey, I bet you a stake that I'm going to hit every red the first time I faced him. And like two months later, he drills six reds in a row and then comes out and says, you owe me a stake. <laughs> I mean, that that to me Now that's is fun. fun. See, that's, fun. that's good family fun. I like the home run things. I, I think it's funny. I think the one, I will say, when it starts to become like sponsored, like the, the Blue Jays oh. jacket, that's when it's like, mm, that feels a little bit tired. But until then, right? Like, okay, the samurai helmet, come on. How can you how can you slam the samurai helmet? Those guys are trying to have a little fun. Like they, they got creative with it. Sure, it's arts and crafts time. Okay, that's okay, I get that. But at least they're having fun with it. At least it's creative. You know what's fun? Throw and strike one. You know what's fun? <laughs> Getting the runner in from third with a ground out. <laughs> that's fun. On over you know and fun? in, damn it. You know what's fun? Is going first to third. Oh boy. I want a first to third jacket. If you go first to third, you can you should have to wear the big hat on third base. They should give <laughs> you the big hat because everyone knows, hey, that guy is doing stuff to inflate our oh winning percentage. Oh my god. Andy. Andy believes bad. in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and he believes in low, slong, deep, soft kisses. That's that's where he's going with this. Holy cow. I don't know where that came from. Bull Durham! Uh, that's the Bull Durham monologue. I've never seen that movie. Oh my god. Yeah, that's pretty good. Anyway, I know I'm wrong. Like I'm wrong. Like I'm like I'm willing to to admit I'm I am confident enough in my own stupidity that that I know I'm wrong. I just whatever we you know we have this podcast. I w- couldn't imagine like writing this. Could you imagine if I wrote like a thousand words? Do it. It'd be like the stupidest thing ever. But we have this which, podcast. Be, I need a twenty second editor timeout real quick. Let's no, let's do some real is- time workshopping right now. Are enough teams <coughs> doing something like this to do an all 30 on it? Uh, they will be in like 10 days. 
you know, the Royals have a gladiator uh, helmet. Because it's spreading. And like, right. Yeah, like, and I don't want to be rude to the Royals, but they've won seven games and it's May. Like, they're not a team that hits a lot of home runs, right? Like, everyone just wants to do something to be part, you know. The only team not doing something will probably be, like, the Mets and the Yankees and the Dodgers. Well, look, I like the A celebration where they hand him a bus ticket out of Oakland. <laughs> That's pretty cool. They, hey, Brent Rooker, <laughs> you know, no, like start packing, if you, if, buddy. If you if you hit a home run, they hand you a bus ticket and a and a team friendly contract offer from Alex Anthopoulos. <laughs> <laughs> hit a home run, and someone's like, "Hey, you know, put on this possum hat." Wow, this is fake <laughs> possum. Nope, nope, we didn't say fake possum hat. Oh. How would you like $45 million over nine years? Oh, that actually sounds pretty good. <laughs> well, the possum signed it, so that's, you know, possum's extended. I don't know. What would the Yankees I do? Like, I think the Yankees should, like, they would put on, like, a sensible, like, hat, you know, just like a nice little derby hat or something, like, very uh, sensible. I got to give them credit. They're such sticklers for tradition that they're not even going to hit home runs anymore. Right, like they're just not going to engage in this. Like, if you look at Washington for the last week, right? Like, Ooh, you know, fake beard. I like the that. Chiron says Yankees would have a fake beard. That would be incredible. They come to the dugout and he's put on this big old honking ZZ top beard. Again, let me just a little editor workshopping real quick. What about for the teams that don't have a celebration that we propose them because Brian's right. Putting a fake beard would be hilarious. Or like just like one of those wigs like that bat, the Bat Boy in Cleveland had on. Like the long hair, right? Like you put a wig on one of them guys just to kind of do the whole, you know, a middle finger to the facial hair policy thing. That would be kind of funny. I See, like that. how could you not get behind that, Andy? That's true. No, nothing's funnier than like, you know, the poor last place Red Sox last year putting someone in a laundry cart and pushing him through the dugout when they're down four runs after a solo <laughs> shot. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh, this is great. I don't know. Like, again, like, this is not, I don't like this about myself. <laughs> I really don't. Like, I, I, this I, is so entertaining. I genuinely wish not to. I mean, I had <laughs> therapy a couple hours ago, but we can just keep going. Like, I just genuinely wish I wasn't such a natural contrarian. I feel like it would be easier for me to get through the days. You know, that said, I love the big hat. We need to bring back the big hat. It's it's funnier because it's uh, bigger than normal it's big. hats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you get it. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would you consider yourself hat. more of a nabob or a curmudgeon? I am a curmudgeon. You're a curmudgeon. Uh, I, I, I'm a curmudgeon as well, but I don't think, like, I can get to Andy levels very easy. I, I think I hide my curmudgeonness, at least on uh, my public-facing face. Uh, well, but uh, Andy, that's that's your that's your brand. You got to be a curmudgeon. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot. Like the thing is, like I'm. There's a lot of curmudgeons. Yeah. In the business, how many have like, as many Twitter followers as you? Oh my god! <laughs> 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 got him. He did. Yeah. You know what, Grant? Wow. You got me. Got sorry, sorry, sorry. Frozen. We did it, Joe. We did it, Joe. Walk back yeah. to the dugout. I don't know. Anyway, what else is going on in baseball? Boy, the White Sox are on fire. What celebration would they do? What celebration would we get for the White Sox? A bus ticket out of the South Side. Like, I mean, in a time, in a time to have the conversation of like, this did not work. It's over. Yeah, no, that's I, I, I wrote about this a little bit, and several people have, you know, joining in, like Ken Rosenthal, John Greenberg, obviously James Fegan has been on this for a while, but like, it really is like, I guess, like what what I'm wondering is. 
if it's time to blow it up there or to ride it out and see if this was just an atrocious month. And I guess it depends on how much you believe in like what went wrong last year being close to permanent, because there was a time not very long ago, you know, 2020, 2021, when you looked at the core of that team, you know, Tim Anderson, Yohan Makata, Eli Jimenez, you know, Luis Robert, and, you know, uh, with um, Andrew Vaughn coming as well, you're like, wow, like this is a, that's a potentially championship core. And you look up several years later and it's kind of like, eh, not exactly. Like they're kind of often hurt and underperforming. And the, meanwhile, the team is like, you know, they lost 10 games in a row. Like it's a, I don't know. When is the time to admit it doesn't work? It didn't work, I guess. That's a hard thing to admit when you've basically spent close to a decade building toward this. Yeah. That's the thing is you would always get the people who, whenever a team started to sink a little bit into the more awesome mediocrity, you would get the people, time to blow it up, time to do what the Astros did, time to do what the Cubs did back, you know, in 2016, like time to, it works. Like you just point to the teams where it works, but then there are the teams where it doesn't work. And the White Sox, man, they, they did a rebuild in theory about as well as you can do it, right? Like they're getting Jimenez in the deal back. They are getting high draft picks. They are getting Giolito, you know, stuff like that where it's not like they're trading their best players for Magic Beans. They're trading their best players for really impressive prospects who thrive in the major leagues. And then it still doesn't work because it doesn't. they're not thriving at the same time or on the same timetable. It's fascinating because you list all these names and I still think it's a championship core. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And they also, by the way, like, you know, as remember, we are pro labor. Like they spent a little bit of money, right? Like they put, I believe it was Luis Robert. They put him on the opening day roster by getting him, you know, to sign to a big league deal. You know, they, they, uh, they gave Yasmani Grandal the biggest, you know, catching contract ever in terms of AAV. They gave... Andrew Benintendi, $75 million, which, you know, uh, might not have been the best allocation of resources. But they, you know, they uh, they re-signed Lance Lynn. You know, they did a bunch of stuff. There was a, a managerial hire in there that was a little strange. But um, there was a lot to like about it. But it's just a matter of like, well, maybe this, maybe these guys aren't it. I don't know. You know, James Fegan, as you mentioned, you know, all over it, right? Doing a really nice job, I think, covering this from pretty much every angle. Something he noted a few days ago when I was reading one of his pieces is that, you know, it's not like the projections were super high on this group coming in. So I think to me that I knew that, like I knew that, but like seeing it was a great reminder because it's like, I, you could, <laughs> I love this. We're, we could squint, right? If the projections were good, we could squint and just be like, mm, rough month baseball's weird, right? We could do that. But if the projections weren't that strong anyway, and I think they faced criticism in the offseason that they didn't quite push all the way in as you would think that a team in that position might, okay? And then you watch this. I think that's why it's interesting as a conversation. I think the blowing up isn't just some, like, you know, doomsday fan reaction. I think it's a legitimate question here. If not right this second, awfully close. Like, a couple more weeks of this, and I feel like, that really is something to consider. And But what's hard about that, and I think this is like, we talk about optionality and whatever, but White Sox are the opposite of that because really, what are the choices here? It's not like if they blew it up, they're going to, what are you getting back for these pieces that would be tradable, that would make sense to move? You know, that's tough, right? And then you factor in the, you know, it's still a division that, Right, like it's not like the AL East where everyone's above 500. I think there's a lot of things to consider, but ultimately, 
I don't know what what the end goal would be if like blowing it up doesn't really demonstrably restart you. You're not going to get the pieces back in something like that that would push you towards the next thing. So I don't know. It's really weird. I would push back on that idea. I think if if the White Sox had a fire sale that took them all the way down to A status, they would get a billion prospects back. They would get someone for everyone, Strong you know, not Ben Intendi, but you know, you could hold a fire sale and there would be people lining up uh, around the corner for Dylan Can I C's. say something to that I actually? Let me this strongly is, disagree. Look, I was I was talking yeah. to an executive this week. I did reporting. Okay. What were you there? Did he at the grocery store? I was, no, no. We were on the, it was great. Like texted then on the phone. All right. And the conversation steered toward how difficult it is to kickstart or rebuild or start to build up based on trading for prospects, especially when you're a team that might be at an informational deficit. And that's the White Sox. See, that's the problem. Because as we've talked about on this pod before, you can pretty much split the league up into two buckets. The folks who are sort of kind of in the mainstream of like R&D, you know, all of this stuff, right? Like spending money there, attracting talent, keeping them there on that side of things so that they're not at an information deficit. And then you have the clubs that are sort of on the outside of that bubble looking in. And I think the White Sox have been on the outside of that bubble pretty much the entire time. So when you talk about breaking it down and trying to flip players for prospects, it's really a referendum on how prepared you are and what your information is. Like, how, how good are you at that? And watching this from the outside and kind of knowing a little bit about how it works, and they've historically sort of been, again, an outside-of-that-bubble kind of club, I don't really, like, see good odds of them pulling that off. And I think we've seen it with other teams. It's probably what changed about the Oakland A's the last couple of years, all right? So I think, yeah, the White Sox are one of those teams... Okay, like even if you blew it up, man, like the only way that works is that you're taking those players and turning them into like prospects that will mostly hit. I think it's just harder to do when you don't have the resources on the back end to pull it off. This is a good point. I guess if you're assuming the White Sox are a normal team, uh, you say, well, you know, what can you get for Tim Anderson? What can you get for Giolito? What can you get for Cease? And you think huge bounty, but uh, they might not be a normal team. They might not be. They might just be reading Baseball America with the rest of us and being like, oh, well, that guy, wow, number three prospect. I'm fascinated by the teams in the sport that are so insular. And the White Sox are one of them. The Colorado Rockies, right? Like Oakland A's are insular. Like they, it's been the same group forever. And like on, on one hand, Look, that's also that group in Oakland ushered in an era that reshaped the sport, okay, or popularized it, or whatever you want to call it, right? Like, the bottom line is they played a major role in how people see it and, and change perceptions and all that. And yet that same group might be getting lapped in the new frontier, right? And I think it's, it's a really interesting case study, some of these clubs, of what happens when you sort of let that permeate. All right. And like I'm painting with a super broad brush, and I, I don't mean to, I'm not trying to generalize, but I, I do think that stagnating or having the same kind of big voices for a long period of time, if you don't do something to shake it up even a little bit, you get into like difficult spots. And so maybe that's what's going on. Like we've talked about the Tigers here a lot. Like that's a big deal, right? Like they, they changed out their entire leadership and brought somebody in who's more in that mainstream, so to speak. And so that's going to take a while, but like they've made that move, right? They've kind of come back to the mainstream. And I just kind of wonder... With the White Sox situation, when people are talking about sell the team, right, and they were chanting that on the South Side this week, 
I think that's also as much as, hey, what about this front office? They've had all this time, and certainly, yeah, it, look, it begins and ends with the owner, especially there, okay? Like, it's, it's well-documented. He's a controversial, polarizing guy. I get it. But also, that front office has been intact pretty much the same for a long, long time. They're the ones making these calls, and it's like, maybe it's time to look at that. I get, if you're serious about wanting to do something with that situation, maybe that's where you begin. I don't know. You know, that's why they're fascinating to me. I think the White Sox are like, there's a lot of layers to it to consider. I look at uh, their ERAs, their staff-wide ERAs, uh, fours, fives, sixes, and sevens, and I wonder about, well, okay, well, what's going on with the pitching? But I know that their pitching coach is Ethan Katz. Uh, he has come up uh, in the Giants system, and he's going to be... One of those pitching coaches that thrives on information. Hand him the secret pitching dossier and say, here's how you attack the hitters of the team we're about to face. Is he getting the same kind of information that other teams are getting? Is he going to be as prepared? Like, is that how far behind the White Sox are? Because I'll admit, I have no idea the intricacies of all the different front offices in how data approach they are, how what kind of uh, staff they have in that uh, compartment in the front office. But like, are the White Sox just one of those teams that is getting lapped like that? I mean, it's certainly possible. I would say I look at the walk rates. And uh, I don't know if I would blame the pitching information department for guys walking the park. Like, you know, like, it, like it's definitely, it's all, like, I think what is interesting is it's all part of it, right? Like, it's an insular culture that maybe isn't as open to new ideas. It's some misfires in free agency. Um, it's downright bad luck in a variety of ways, you know? Like, Liam, Hen Liam Hendricks coming down, you know, with cancer, like, is not something that you really write into, you know, the script of how you expect this whole thing to go. It's underperformance. Um, by their star players, it's injuries to the star players. You know, it's the fact that they play in a division that, while it isn't very tough, there are a couple other clubs that seem to be ahead of them in the information pipeline. In the you know the Twins and the Guardians. I mean, I, I just think it's yeah, it's it's a lot of different things. You know, you know, Mark, you you brought up you're talking about how you're fascinated by the insular culture and you know where people are the same people are making the same decisions for quite some time. And that did that made me think about the Cardinals. Right. Mm -hmm. Because if I look at and you, and this actually applies to the Yankees as well right now, the Yankees are in last place uh, as we record. Right. I believe the Cardinals are in last place, too. Uh, I think they're like 10 games out in, you know, in the central. And if you asked me how I think both the seasons will end for both teams, I would say they will be in the playoffs because that is just sort of a bet on their organizational DNA, right? Their ability to figure these things out. But we also know, like, <clears throat> intellectually, that all the things you said about, like, a lack of new ideas, uh, you know, like, the, the, both those teams, right, the Cardinals and the Yankees, basically looked at what they did the previous year and were like, let's make a little bit of adjustments. We're not going to actually correct the flaws that are sort of available, to, are, are visible to dummies like us. We're not going to correct those. We're going to strengthen our strengths. And we're just going to run it back. And it's not working for either team. And what, what interests me is at what point when you stick to the plan, stick to your process, you know, even to some extent the Dodgers are going through this. At what point it becomes apparent like, ooh, we need to maybe change up some of these processes here. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just like 
the Cardinals are not good for the same reason people expected they might not be good. The Yankees are struggling for the same reason everyone thought they might struggle. It's a long season and they will probably correct it, but it strikes me that that is a product of confidence in in your process uh, and, and how that might sometimes lead you astray. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs. And how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. And it's a fine line. 
right? Because like yeah, we're talking about totally. the Yankees process. They haven't had a losing season in 30 I know. years. I know. They're okay? in, that's like yeah, 30, that, the Cardinals are pretty close. 30 the Cardinals are pretty close. Years. Yeah. There are yeah. people with young families that have never <laughs> seen a losing Yankees team. So yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. that's what is sort of fascinating to me. On the one hand, Good Lord, are they failures because the Astros have kicked their ass. They haven't won a World Series in 2009. They talk all of this stuff about like we are this franchise. We got all this history and all this stuff. And they believe their own bullshit. And they don't have a ring to show for it in the last now 14 years. But yet you pull back a little bit more. They've also never had a losing season since what? Stump Merrill managed the club? Or no, no, I'm sorry. I think Buck was there first maybe his first year or something but basically we're talking that era so it's like okay evaluate what you're doing but also it ain't all wrong and it's like i think it's fascinating the yankees are like they're so polarizing because you want to bury him right and certainly in new york that's the first reaction bury him but it's like you also they know this and i think the fans know this no matter how much they say oh we would accept a rebuild I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I I cannot see that happening for a lot of different reasons. So they're stuck, right? Like in some ways, they're kind of stuck. And so, you know, at a related point, right, if you're going to sit there and reevaluate your processes, which I think is always a healthy thing anyway, I don't know, man, what else is there to do? Because you can't say that they're ignoring this stuff. Like the Like Brian Cashman, like, gets crushed all the time for it's too analytic, like, right, he gets hammered for, they're too reliant on numbers. He gets hammered for trying to be innovative or at least keeping up. At the very least, if they're not ahead of it, they're trying to keep up. They're as, I would like to see a team that has a more advanced pitching program than they do. Right, that they have, like, tried to emulate, make their own, and invested a ton of resources in. Right, there are just people that you've never heard of. And there's layers and layers and layers of him trying to solve this puzzle. It's very easy to just be like, blow the whole thing up, fire every last one of him. This isn't working, yada, yada, yada. And yet, they're in last place right now. If they were in the playoffs by the end of the year, who's surprised by that? Right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. The year that broke me when it came to, oh, the Yankees are finished, was 2014. When it just looked like you looked over that lineup and you had a 40-year-old Derek Jeter. You had 37-year-old Carlos Beltran. You had 40-year-old Ichiro's in there. You have Mark Deshera crumbling. Brian Roberts. You have uh, their aces like Hiroki Kuroda. Like, they, they're just, they're done. They're all almost 40. And they finished 84, with 84 wins, I think. And then the next year... They're in the wild card game. And then the next year, well, they're they're getting back. They're over 500 again. The next year, they're in the ALCS. And they just, they never went through that rebuild. The year after that, they won 100 games. They rebuilt in 2016. They rebuilt in 2016. They, they, they traded off. That was the one time they burned down the roster and basically turned it into prospect capital. And the issue is that the prospect capital that they got com- in addition to the uh, the young players they have, haven't really panned out except for Aaron Judge. And Gleyber Torres is a good player. He's just maybe not the player that they had hoped he would be. He's a good player, though. But, I, yeah, I, I feel like with the Yankees, right, like all, like all the praise – I feel like every time we, like, start criticizing them, we're like, wait a minute. Like, this is – they're incredible. Like, they do this every year, right? But then at the same time, it's like, who is surprised that – John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Judge, Josh Donaldson, 
Carlos Rodon, all you know, uh, Luis Severino, Frankie Montas, all these guys are unavailable currently. We know this. We know that the the thing that makes you injury prone is a history of injuries mm-hmm. and age and age They're and older. age. Yeah, and age. And their bet for this season was that they would be a little bit healthier and they would be a little bit younger. Thus far, the younger guys are there, but not, you know, flourishing. Like Volpe looks fine. He's getting um, better. And you, yeah. he looks fine, right? But he's not OPSing, you know, he doesn't have a 125 OPS plus, right? Like he's not like, you know, a rocket out of a ship. No, he's not what Glaber was when he hit the scene. Remember what Glaber that? was yeah. or Ronald Acuna Jr. or whatever. But he's going to like, it's just, he's going to be fine. It's not to suggest otherwise, but he's not contributing at the level that they need in order to be the team that they want to be. He could be that in September. But it's just like the stuff that you kind of expect that they're betting on hasn't panned out just yet. That said, it's a month in. Like, I, I don't I don't know. So what would you think is the likeliest scenario where you have the Yankees and Cardinals both missing the postseason, the Yankees making it and the Cardinals missing it, uh, the Cardinals making it and the Yankees missing it, or both teams making it? What's the likeliest scenario of all those permutations? I'm going to pick one of the two. Whichever the, you you got four options, I'll, I'll I'll cut those in half and and basically just one of those two misses the playoffs. I, that I can, I can see that. I can see that. Maybe the Cardinals. I don't know. Yeah, I think option two seems the most likely, and then option four they both make it. But two Yankees make it, Cardinals don't. I don't know the Cardinals, uh, but then they play in the Central. I don't. But the Cubs are like competent. I guess you know uh, we're gonna get yelled at. The Pirates keep winning. Pirates keep winning. Pirates keep winning. I I will say the Cardinals are the team, and this is anecdotal. So you know, feel free to push back on this. It feels like every year you look up and you're just like you haven't paid attention, and then they have, they've won 13 out of 15 games or something. It's like August, and you're like, what the hell? Oh, Cardinals, you got me again. It's like the it's the Eddie Murphy <laughs> bit. Oh, my mouth was open. Now oh, you got me. You know, good good job, good job. So I I just don't trust them. I don't trust them or the Yankees to stay bad. Here's the other thing, guys, right? Like the Cardinals, you're right, right? They're, they're classic, oh my God, they've turned it on. Now they're like right there. Dude, you're not getting all that yummy bottom-feeding NL Central to just like munch on for the rest of the second half. Like, I'll go play some clubs, right? Like, and I haven't looked at the schedule, but I would imagine that the the balanced schedule is not going to do them any favors. And so I, you, they might pull that trick because it's them. It's the devil magic, all that stuff. But like, it feels like it's harder to do. Right? I don't know. Like, this year, this is the year where they don't get the Pirates, and that's good for them. They're going to get more Rockies than Pirates, and like all of a sudden, that's that's good for them. Yeah. There is just more competence in the division. Though. Sure. The Cubs are competent. Yes. The Pirates True. are competent. Uh, the Reds are still the Reds, but like, you know, and the, the Brewers are doing the Brewers thing. They're on pace for, you know, whatever, 88 wins and not trading Corbin Burns. So who knows? But yeah, I would, I don't know. There's something off about the Cardinals this year, but they have there have been years where there is something off with them before they kind of live to be off early, or at least in stretches during the year. And then, as you guys both mentioned, there's like you look up in August and you're like, "Great, I gotta go to the Marriott app, <laughs> <laughs> book all these hotels." Like, love, love it, love going to Bush State. But all those years, there there was a Yadier Molina. And he's the he's he's like me, where he's the glue of that particular podcast uh, that is the St. Louis Cardinals. He was just like barely there last year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the decision to pivot from Molina to Contreras felt 
different in that he's a different type of player than they had had in that position. I don't know what a better option would have been. You know, Christian Vasquez maybe makes sense since he's more of a just a defensive-minded player. But I, th- I the issue with them is, one, Nolan Arenado is not hitting. You know, two, none of the other, you know, most of the other young fellas, like, are not hitting. And the pitchers are kind of as mediocre as people thought they would be. Plus, there's no Adam Wainwright. It's a noxious brew right there. <laughs> Noxious brew, noxious it's brew. It's funny because, like, right, and, and, you know, the other underachieving team that we were talking about, the Yankees, like, it's pretty easy to see what's happened there. Nobody's on the field, right? Like, it, so these teams are, are going through it, and, and the reasons are fairly obvious. But what I am, like, fascinated by with the Yankees in particular is that they've been fighting the same battle, it feels like, for, for years, where they're that team that has, like, relied on fossil fuels for all this time which is free agency and whatever they got the big suv and they're they're willing to pay the freaking five dollars a gallon to fill that 20 gallon tank like just keep pouring money into this thing and then finally it looked like they were going to wean themselves off of that with that baby bombers class they don't pan out the way they think they would and now what are they doing same SUV that they're filling with. And it's the same problems, all right? It's the same. Who is shocked by Radon being hurt? And I, I say that not as a knock on him, but as Andy referenced earlier, the best predictor of future injury is past injury, all right? And this guy's got a rap sheet of injuries, okay? So, but that's the types of players that are generally available in free agency. They're older, therefore they're higher injury risk. And so here we go again. It's the same cycle. And the thing I wonder about is, will they ever break out of it? Because there's truly only one way to do that, which is to say, you know what? This was a nice 30-year run of never being shitty. Okay? Like, that's what it would take. Like, you'd have to, like, actually concede to, we're going to lose a bunch of ball games here for a bit. And Why? people will get what, pissed whoa, whoa, about it. What, what, are you, what are you talking about? What, what other way is there to reset this thing? You develop players in the minors. Yeah, but, like, to access like, some you, of the higher-end players, you've got to have a pick high enough to do that. You, you've got to be willing to, like, stock. And then, you know, look, you got to do that well. And, like, good teams can do it well. I get that. But, like, you still need access to some of the higher-end talent. When's, what's the highest that they pick every year? If you, if you make the playoffs every year, if you're over 500 every year, you never have, like, a top-five guy. And, like, look at the teams that we talk about as, like, our MLB.com teams. You know what they are? Bunch of first-rounders. A bunch of top-ten picks that you've hoarded finally and, like, gotten them to push forward. All right? So you still need that. The Dodgers have t- changed my mind on that to where they had like this five-year stretch where they had the best first-round pick and they were always in the 20s. It's like Will Smith or Walker Bueller or this, that. I, you can overcome not having a top, top draft pick. Yeah. You just have it's to do... It's extremely um, difficult, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, it's a good... It's, a, it's Mark, extremely it's, it's a good difficult. Point. It's a good point. Who's the best player on the Yankees right now, right? On the current roster. Garrett Cole. When was he drafted? Uh, he was 1-1. One, one. It's it, been a while. <laughs> <laughs> He's 1-1, one, one, right? Like, Clayton Kershaw was the 7th overall pick, you know? Like, Max Scherzer was the 12th overall pick, I think. Like, Verlander was, what, 3rd? Like, yeah, I mean, so, okay, you know, point point taken. Uh, that's not the um, excuse all of it, right? Right. But, like, certainly uh, you, that helps. Yeah. 
And, and it's well, not a coincidence that when these teams come out of the woodwork and all of a sudden they're in their competitive window, it's top 10 picks that they're writing. And when do they ever have that here? Never. But, I mean, hey, like you can still, I think the point Grant made is good in that. It's a valid point. Y- you can still hit on those guys. Yes. Right? Yes. So, and it's the sort of thing where like, if you're going to do it, you need Volpe to be an all-star. Maybe not an MVP. Maybe not, you know, like, um, who was the guy who played shortstop there? Derek Jeter. Yeah, that one. Maybe not him, but, like. Yeah, that's a good guess. Know, I was going to say Didi Gregorius. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Grant, Grant and I have a mind. Yeah, right he knew exactly there. where I was Got going. Got it. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that one. Uh, you, you need, like, and so he's not there yet. And that's okay. It's not his, I keep, you know, why am I protecting Andy Volpe? He'll be just fine. But, like. You need those guys to contribute. You need the guys who they have in making the top 100 lists show up and play well. And they just haven't had that yet on the position player side. I will just, I got the bell here. I will ring it because I'm going to talk about the Giants. And what their big problem is, is that they haven't had crap from the farm system for uh, almost a decade. Logan Webb. Uh, was a gift from the previous front office. But after that, you have this succession of first-round picks that have just, they're not even close. Like, hey, Patrick Bailey is a, is the closest, but you have uh, Elliot Ramos. He, he doesn't seem like a regular. You have, you know, Hunter Bishop, his career is over. And it, you see it now. And people are so mad at Farhan. They're so mad online about, oh. They, but when you have the job of, well, I guess we got to fill through free agency again, that's impossible. You have to have a pipeline. If you don't have a pipeline, just getting to 500 is amazing to me for the teams that don't have a pipeline. Yeah, or you need to have some equivalent of what the Astros had and still have, I think, of a position player core that's there or the Braves, right? The Braves had a position player core and they've been able to augment that now through you know incredible trades and getting all these deals you know where they have like their roster set for the next three or four years but that is challenging to do when you're at the deficit of like not having either not being able to swindle people in trades you know like not be able to get like Dansby Swanson for Shelby Miller or something like that or not picking high in the draft yeah it's it's a challenge I I like I I reject the premise that the Yankees, the way out is a reset. I reject that premise. I do not support tanking, and I'm frankly disgusted that Mark <laughs> would come on our platform and say the Yankees should tank. That is a man who works for management, and you can tell in his answers. I do, but like, I wish we had a company softball team because then we would have a jacket that says the land of a thousand tanks. Mark will never see the light of a union boardroom, and Mark will never see the light of heaven. I just, I just do want to say, though, that like when I'm saying – I want to acknowledge that when I'm saying, look, just develop big league all-stars. I understand that's the hardest thing to do in the sport. But you're the Yankees. You can do it. I don't know. Just uh, move the A's to Kansas City and pick them over for parts for a well, couple I decades. Mean, I was going to say, you could also do what the Braves did, which is just drive behind the A's truck and wait for those players to just come falling <laughs> out and then have a- a- Alex just swoop him. Oh, hey, look at that. Look, it's Olsen. Oh, man. Come on over. Come on. Hey. Murphy, what's up? Get on over Murphy. here. You know? Sean Murphy's like, that guy hits a home run every day. Every day. Holy smokes. Every day. A's could use a player like that. 
I wrote something about the Giants not being in the market for Sean Murphy this offseason. And I got some pushback from that, uh, from, from top sources where they're like, you moron, we were all over him. You can't just go on MLB trade rumors and discuss what, you know, and try and figure out what we're doing in the offseason. We wanted Murphy bad, but the A's like the Braves offer more. And it, you can see why. He's, he's so good. He's so good. He was so wasted on the A's. <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, I saw him hit at least two homers yesterday off the Mets. He's a very good player. And the Braves are still the best team for me. He's got like a, uh, what are the kids calling it now? A good can? He's got, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. He's got a robust dumper. What are they, what are they saying now? Can. I think uh, he has a muscular keister. Okay. <laughs> Would you like to know the team in Major League Baseball, the top three teams and giving up dingers? Let's go top four. Top four teams giving up dingers. And we've talked about most or, almost Most or least. Most. Giants. Most. Giants. Mets. Mets. Uh, Rockies? No, not the Rocks, not the poor Rocks. White Sox, A's. So when we're talking about like, okay, home runs can sometimes be a product of a little bit of weird luck, right? And the White Sox giving up 48 dongs, which is only too short of the A's who aren't trying. Like that is amazing to me, right? Like to kind of like go back to an old convo. Like it's just, that, that, that seems like that can't be real. Do you know yeah. what team leads the league in highest ground ball rate? Giants. Do you know how madding it is to watch a team that is better than every other team keep the ball on the ground, also have the worst home run rate in baseball? It shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. That feels, that those, those two concepts feel incongruent. Fake. Yeah, just like, what? Makes no sense. So, anyways. Would you support pitchers celebrating giving up home runs with props? <laughs> that I would like, What's, right? Yeah. So like you're putting like the cone of shame on them, like yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine like covering to... the old Royals and Jeremy Guthrie throwing like a blue blazer on <laughs> with like a crown after oh, giving no. up like three dongs in a game or whatever. No, you're putting like Jay Ross Guts. Stripling comes back to the dugout and you put like a cone so he doesn't lick himself. You know, like a, like, a, like a coming back from the vet. <laughs> oh. I, I'm for that. You know, just sit there in the end of the dugout, cone of shame. What if they? What if they just had to pull out a hanky out of their back pocket and wave like a white flag? <laughs> You know, as the as the ball leaves, oh, they really mess with the pitchers, make them wash their hands thoroughly, get the sticky <laughs> stuff off their fingers. Hey, whoa, whoa, hey, what? Hey, right, I'm sorry, right, I'm right. sorry. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I don't think. Look, Mark, I'm unlike you. I'm not a sadist. I don't support <laughs> just publicly shaming. I just think you know maybe. The players could act like they've been there before. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. boy. That is a good place to end it. Just full circle right back to Andy yelling at a cloud. All right. I hate myself. I just, I really, I hate this about myself. I really do. I just want all the listeners who are going to leave negative comments on the Apple thing. I don't like this. Oh, my God. Myself. But yeah. it, So have you, like, done TikTok at all? Like, have you checked it out even? Are, yeah, I've seen it. it and are you it's just like scrolling vine. and going, what the hell is this? This is stupid. Well, it's just it's just not for me. Like, it's not designed for a person like me, you know? A like person the live who streams, hates fun? The live streams on Poker Go, those are designed for me. Like, that's <laughs> you want to watch eight hours of Deuce to Seven Triple Draw? Like, that's for me. <laughs> but, like, a six-second clip of, like, people on the subway watching, like, the ladies at the Taylor Swift uh, concert like come in the subway car and it's set to a horror movie screen like 
that's not for me, man. Like, I want to watch Pot Limit Omaha. <laughs> you should see my TikTok uh, stream to have it curated with the algorithm. And it's just showing me animals. It's just, you know, it's just That's ferrets nice. chasing around lizards and stuff. And it's delightful. Anyways, this is a good place to end. This has been, what did we say, episode 47? 47 of the round table. We will be back next week. We'll talk about baseball because that is what we do. See you then. Who let the dogs out? Root, root, root. <laughs>